everyone, and welcome to the Riffing on Realness podcast. I'm Carla Royal, a mindset and performance coach working with high-achieving entrepreneurs, and with me is Juliette Fay, a poet and three principles facilitator. If you are wrestling with how to be real in the midst of rampant superficiality, and it's causing you to overthink, be too guarded, and not live your potential, then you're in the right place. In this podcast, Juliet and I explore how dropping the masks, being real and vulnerable, can help us connect, adapt, and find a richness of experience amid the chaos. We're glad you're here, and we invite you to tune in, slow down, and listen for your own wisdom. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Carla. So Juliet and I hopped on our call, as we always do before we hit record, and I asked Juliet what you know, if she had any ideas about what we might want to discuss today. And she said, let's talk about recalibration. I've been thinking about that a lot and I think it would be cool. And I said, okay, great. Shall I hit record? (laughs) And she said, well, should we talk about it first? (laughs) And we decided, no, we're just going to dive right in, which is what I love about doing this podcast with Juliet is just that we both just, we just we just love to just riff and go and, and, and dive in and it's fun. It just, it never feels, it never feels difficult with you, Juliet. And I just so appreciate your willingness to be flexible, to, to try things and, and to, to fly by the seat of your pants with me, which I've done all my life. And I think you've done some of that yourself. So um, I just really appreciate you and 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 it's just fun synergy that we have together on this podcast. And also, by the way, our listeners are really enjoying it. I just got um, an email from uh, someone who talked about our last episode, which was on procrastination and how very helpful it was to her. And um, so uh, we do invite our listeners to listen. It's it's good stuff, and we have a great time doing it. So thank you for being with us, listeners, and Juliet. Oh, yeah, thank you, Carla. And I feel exactly the same. I think the fact that we don't sort of plan this to the nth degree, it, we we jump in, and hopefully, what comes up is fresh for us. Mm-hmm. And the whole the whole kind of point of doing it wasn't it was to just inspire listeners to look at things fresh for themselves so if our riffing which I know we we often have a laugh (laughs) we often come in with uh, I love your stories that you bring in and I think it it we don't always make space in our lives and our days to sort of uh, I want to say daydream it's not really daydream but to wonder uh, what is new and fresh because it can be really easy to just get into our old habits of mind, habits of thought that this is good, this is bad, this is better, this is worse, this is terrible, this is wonderful. And we can all get that feeling when it's all just a bit stale. And I don't mean life, but I mean our experience. We're running down the same tracks, the same habits of mind. And we tend to notice that perhaps more with the negative, the habits of mind that make us feel a bit yuck. Um, but we can do it with the positive too. We can be sort of, hey, I'm going on holiday. That means it's great and I can look forward to it and it'd be wonderful. Now, whether it actually is wonderful or not, it remains to be seen, <laughs> as with all things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I think that, you know, what you're saying and is so great because uh, I do, you know, I think there's a big balance between having no structure and no plans and having too many structures and too many plans. 
And there are some things that you absolutely need to plan out. And then this episode, this, this uh, podcast is something that we feel is freshest when we don't do a whole lot of planning. Uh, and uh, I don't know if that could relate to recalibration or not, but, um, you know, throwing out some of your structures from time to time may be a way to recalibrate or even bringing in some structure. If you're, if you're someone like me who has so little structure, it could actually be helpful for recalibration. But I'd love to hear what you were thinking about recalibration when you brought up that topic this morning. Yeah, sure. And just before I do, I want a hat tip to you, Carla, because it isn't all fly by the seat of the pants. Carla is the magician who turns this um, conversation we have on uh, together into something that's called a podcast. And I know there's magic that happens behind the scenes. And I know you're very diligent with that. And um, so thank you for always getting the show out there would be no show without that. <laughs> oh, listen, Juliet, we could have a little love fest right now because <laughs> I hate doing the show notes and there would be no podcast without the show notes, <laughs> or at least it would be like a, you know, sentence and people wouldn't know. So I thank you so much for, for your detail with the show notes that is so valuable for our listeners. And, and especially for those who don't have time to listen to the whole thing, you get a really good summary by just reading the show notes that 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 Juliet does so thank you Juliet well I'm enjoying the love fest but back to recalibration <laughs> <laughs> so I yeah I had an interesting um thing happen for me and then talking with other people realized this was happening with quite a few people so I got curious about it and what it was was the last couple of weekends I've been out and about uh, visiting places in Wales here where I live and catching up with people, many of whom I haven't seen for a long time. And that's new because here in Wales, we've been in quite strict lockdown since before Christmas. And so meeting up with other people um, and even we were restricted to where we could travel. We had to stay local um, for quite a long time. And Wales is a very beautiful country with coastline and mountains and uh, I love I love being in those places I love driving but um, the one period was around Easter and my daughter was with me and when we when we came back from these day trips they were all day trips and she said to me I feel like I've been on a four-day bender <laughs> we were absolutely exhausted <laughs> <laughs> and and then again, last uh, another weekend to get or so ago, again, uh, traveling, visiting, coming back. And again, this feeling of being really sort of shattered. And I thought, this is interesting. And it's easy to, I kind of realized, well, it's easy to think, oh, well, this is just, you know, you're not used to people and traveling. It's a product of being quite isolated and then going re-entry, as it were, back into social socializing. But I got curious and I had a sense there's also something else going on for me any, at any rate, um, which is that for me, it's been a, a period through this whole pandemic of getting quieter inside. Uh, I know it hasn't been the case for everybody, um, but for me, spending a lot of time on my own, it has, I have got more spacious and quieter inside. And I realised that it's not just that I'm not used to it. It's that I'm a bit different to how I was, you know, pre-pandemic. 
And so this intense stimulation, especially of the people, less the traveling, but, you know, the, the people side of it. And, and what I made of that, you know, maybe I had to, <laughs> I had to speed up a bit to kind of keep up, <laughs> if that makes sense. And, and it's as if the system has got more sensitive. And I realized in my curiosity, you know, this isn't necessarily a bad thing. And so the recalibration came from, <clears throat> excuse me, I think, you know, as the sort of idle speed inside begins to come down, which it does for a lot of people that you and I work with, Carla, and, and, and for ourselves where we've, we've sort of touched on a, a deeper spaciousness so we're not always just busy, 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 busy in our heads. I think that recalibration can mean that we're actually a lot more sensitive to overstimulation of our own mind, whether that looks like it's coming from the outside or not. And I actually think that's quite a good thing, but I'll, I'll let you come in because that's quite a long preamble introduction. Well, I'm curious um, uh, what you're seeing about that. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about what you're saying, and I, I guess I haven't gotten back into, if you will, the real world again quite quite a lot. And the truth is, my life hasn't changed all that much because I'm quite, I'm somewhat reclusive, period. So, so I don't. I'm one. I, I find myself wondering if I'm going to have that same reaction as you and your daughter you know, am I going to feel like it's too much? I, I already feel and have felt like too much noise, too much stimulation is just too much for me, <laughs> which is why I spend a lot of time alone at home or alone in nature. So it's curious. I think about different types of people and different personalities. Um, I think about some of my friends who are extreme extroverts that I know this pandemic has been excruciatingly painful for them. And I wonder if they'll have that experience that you and your daughter are having and and I wonder too what you know what what that recalibration means to you and also what you mean by it's a good thing you know and and I and I can see that like bringing it down some as a as a potentially good thing so I'm I'm, I'm curious to hear more Juliet. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll take kind of each of those as I as I heard them. So, in terms of extroverts, it's very interesting because I, like you, I, I, I'm I'm both actually. I can be very introverted, but I can be very gregarious, and and I think I've always had that pattern of swinging one between the other. But um, I did wonder if it would be different for people who've craved company and then found it a really hard loss to to be without it. But I was talking to a friend who I think of as a real extrovert. And it was really interesting. She had similar experience. You know, she'd had a, a big meetup um, and really, really enjoyed it, but was really ready to kind of come back to some quiet afterwards. And so this is just my straw poll of, you know, people that I've interacted with. It it does seem seem to be quite common. And, and I think the subtlety, the piece, why I say it might be a good thing is that I think it would be very easy to just say, oh, well, you know, we're going to have to gear up and speed up so we can get back up to speed and back to normality in inverted commas. 
Uh, and and it, I just really want to encourage listeners to sort of pause and just get curious about what that's telling us. Um, so, you know, if our, our experience, yes, is internally generated. So, you know, you might sit with a crowd of people and feel very peaceful and not feel overstimulated. But I think there can be these habits of engagement, habits of mind where, you know, say it's a big family gathering and you, you're from a noisy family or you're from a, I don't know, opinionated family or from a quiet family. You know, all the sort of um, inner commentary can be kind of rattling away inside of you when you're in a in a gathering, which you may have had a bit of respite from <laughs> because you have, you know, you've been away from each other. And I think it's really interesting to if that feeling of tiredness uh, or being overstimulated, the reason I think it might be a good thing is it might indicate to you that your sort of body-mind system has actually settled down more than you might realise. So I've used the analogy before about the engine speed. So for me, um, I think, you know, my idle speed was just really high, like an engine that's revving really hard but not moving. Uh, and that was normal to me. I just didn't really um, know any difference. So that was that was just me. I was a bit million miles an hour, certainly in my head and also out in the world too. And if I got stressed or distressed, it's like you go from that high revs and you hit the gas, you know, the, the, the increase in speed actually probably wasn't that huge, but I was already so revved up that more revs, you know, were really, really uncomfortable. So the analogy is if your idle speed has dropped right down, then you might, you don't need a lot of revs for it to feel like a really big movement. And that's what I want to point out to people. So rather than thinking there's something wrong or that you need to get with the program and get out there and get back to it, you know, maybe just pause and reflect. You know, is this telling you actually that it, it's not, I wrote a piece about this, it's not about what not doing a lot. It's about what's going on inside, internally. So, you know, we know you can do a huge amount with a quiet mind, but it feels a bit strange because it hasn't got that adrenaline push buzz with it. And so the what I think for me might be happening is a sort of a recalibration. And when I get in terms of I like the the more peaceful, quieter internal experience. And so maybe I want to get a bit thoughtful about what takes me away from that. Uh, and I don't really mean people and situations. I mean, where do, where do my old habits of thinking go to in old situations, familiar situations that are at the moment coming back into, into my life? Does that make any sense, Carla? Come back in. Yes, it does. It makes a lot of sense. The thing that, that I thought of when you were talking about the, the revving uh, engine, by the way, I love that metaphor. I think it's so good, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, if you've got your foot on the pedal and you're in neutral and you're revving that motor up, but that's not good for the motor. And really all that's needed is take that foot off the pedal. <laughs> it's just so simple. But um, 
but but where I see that really strongly in my own life is, you know, I, I spent a, several decades of my life uh, in in anxiety, like daily anxiety. And it was just a normal part of my life. And it was uncomfortable, but but just so familiar. I really didn't, uh, unless it got really bad, I really didn't think about it that much. Well, I don't live like that anymore. So when I get some anxiety like that, it just feels awful. Yeah. And it, that's what I hear you saying. It's like, oh my gosh, it feels awful. How did I live in that? And it's short-lived now, thank goodness. But it, it, it just shows me what we can get used to, how we can get, get so amped up and not even really know, sometimes not even be fully aware of how revved up we are and, and that it's, it, it's, it's toxic. It's doing some damage to us. And, and I also think about my guys that I work with, my uh, uh, um, digital marketers who are very successful in a big, big, fast game. And how they get so revved up and they don't even know it. And so mm. when things start, when they have a down month, they start to freak out and they think that they just need to put that pedal. Now they're in neutral right now and to put that pedal to the floor and they don't understand mm. why they're not getting any traction or any momentum. And mm. so what I think I hear you, you saying is that as we come back in into this, in where, whether it's coming out of the pandemic and being more social, whether it's in a business situation, whether it's some anxiety that I might feel from time to time, that we take a moment, uh, as, as you're saying, and as we've said many times in these episodes, to sit on the bank of ourselves before we get so caught up in this old pattern that we sit and we reflect and we ground ourselves. And there's so many ways to do that so many ways to quote unquote sit on the bank of yourself and it, and it really it can really it can really help and and bring about equilibrium more quickly when we just take that pause which i think is what i'm hearing you say juliet yeah and and i think not be so quick to judge it as a negative thing if you're having um different experiences as you pick up threads of, of what your life used to look like if that's the case for you and it may be as you say in business it may just be a different challenge comes along and it's it's subtle because it it's it's not really saying oh you know you shouldn't try and do that many miles in a day or visit that many people in a day it's not really about what's out there it's about how I think sometimes for some people that idle speed crashes. You know, you have a dramatic episode that wakes you up to the fact that you can't live like that anymore. And it might look like working too many hours or um, I know you talk about your breakdown, breakthrough. Sometimes people, you know, there's a dramatic sort of a, a waking up to the fact that we're more than our busy thoughts and feelings in our head that there's something deeper but for a lot of other people it's just a very gradual incremental quietening down of the system that's very much how it's ongoing for me and like you said not all the time sometimes it gets revved up again but this greater sensitivity to disturbance I just think it's helpful to clarify because it can look like you say when you said when I now get anxious it feels awful but it's nowhere near the scale of what you were dealing with day in, day out before. And sometimes you just need someone to like point that out 
because uh, you can sort of think, what's wrong with me? You know, why do I feel so terrible? And uh, when actually you've been living in a much quieter, nicer overall feeling, I don't mean every moment of every day. And so that disturbance is like a really helpful um, signal that we are tolerance for distress mental distress is getting much lower it feels really yuck way before it would have done before does that make sense that makes so much sense and I appreciate you pointing that out because uh, you're right it's like these moments that I have now of anxiety are so seldom compared to what I used to live in and and so that's one of the things is when it does happen it's like this little gift of of remembering how much healthier I actually am and also there's information in that for me there's intelligence in that anxiety it it's getting my attention it's trying to get my attention to to adjust something perhaps maybe you know that 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 maybe I uh am really caught up in my stressful stories and that I'm not aware, I'm not seeing it, I'm not aware, and I need to wake up to that, or that I'm pushing myself too hard, and I need to take a rest or take a break, or some other information that before, when I was living in that, I couldn't gather the information because it was all consuming. I just felt like it was my life, and this is just the way it is. And now these are like little alarm clocks that go off for me. And and it's not helpful to ignore our feelings. It's not even helpful to try to necessarily change them to something else. Really, it's a matter, I think, of of taking note of them, seeing what information or intelligence might be there, and then making adjustments if any adjustments are needed. And if not, that we ride it out knowing that this too shall pass. As Dr. Maya Angelou says, every storm runs out of rain. And there's something for me, that's just a mantra I have when I'm going through something I can't quite find my way through immediately. That gives me great comfort to know that this storm will run out of rain every single time. Yeah, and it, and it's, it's true. I mean, we, everyone listening and for you and for me, we can all look back at times that have felt... Uh, uncomfortable difficult unbearable big things small things and you know there is a kind of beginning middle and end and and I would also say that as things quieten down sometimes I can catch a glimpse of the fact that a you know a, a particular sort of habit of thought, if you like, has latched on to a situation. So it might be irritation or um, judgment. And it's really cool when you start to get eyes for that, because it, it, what we talk about when we talk about sitting on the bank of yourself, and you often talk, Carla, about the stories that we tell ourselves about everything you know ourselves the world the future the past everybody else and when a little bit more space comes in and you you catch yourself um 
in fact, I, you know, I had an experience of that today. I was, I was um, suddenly looked, I was saying before we came on record, uh, I'm, I'm heading off on the, some holidays soon and all of a sudden somebody needs something absolutely urgently. And I could feel a little bit of a kind of, <sighs> and but I caught it. It was sort of this, for me, it would be a control thing. You know, it's not my schedule, somebody else's schedule and a little bit of like a pushback on it. And, and then I made a cup of coffee and a bit later on, I realized, oh, actually, that'd be really cool to get this done earlier than I was thinking we would um, for all sorts of reasons. And catching that, that I bring my, you know, my mood, my state of mind to my life. We often talk about this. It's so easy to not see that. And when you do see it, it's great because it's sort of like, oh, that's one version. <laughs> but there's an infinite other number of versions available if I just kind of let that one drift on by when we can, when we can. Yes, when we can is a good way to put it. I, I'm sitting here wondering for our listeners you know, if we could talk some about how one can practically recalibrate. And I know that that's something that it's, it's not necessarily, I think we each have to sort of find our own ways and what works some days doesn't necessarily work other days. But I wonder if you have ideas about what it means to you to recalibrate. Yeah, well, this is quite fresh for me. And so the first thing that looks to be how, how it looks at the moment is that I'm not doing the recalibrating, which is really good news because when I get stuck into things, <laughs> you know, I, I'm sort of all there, guns blazing, can be. So this is more about, I think, as you wake up to things and it could be, uh, you know, we've talked, touched on subjects like um, anti-racism education. You can wake up to all sorts of things. So you can wake up to your, your concepts and ideas and beliefs in a particular area, like around race and equity or around misogyny. Um, you can wake up, you've talked about your, some of your clients and my clients, you know, they'll have a a sort of epiphany, a moment where they realize, I don't want what I think I want. You know, it's meaningless to me. I want something that feels more um, worthwhile or do it doesn't look like they thought it looked like and they go and they change direction. So we, as humans, I mean, you could call that insight. You can call it lots of things. We're waking up to different things all the time. And in spiritual terms, we can wake up in a sort of incrementally and have glimpses of something bigger than us it's probably the simplest way I'm going to put it today and I don't mean an idea in our head about God or a God or or higher beings I mean a felt experience when maybe you're looking at the sunset and you realize wow you know I'm part of this amazing world and I'm not just little old me running around so when we have those big and small moments of, of waking up, then the system has to adjust. So if we take around um, uh, race and equity, for instance, you know, we, I've been on a journey last year of all sorts of blind spots of mine becoming visible. 
And after they became visible, you know, there's a there's a sort of period of time where things don't look quite the same to me anymore. But I'm not quite steady in this new new sort of um, the world looks different and I'm a bit of a stranger there. So I think a recalibration is sort of happens under the surface, whether it's new information, new insights, new ways of being have profoundly sort of they they come not as a good idea or a, you know not on a powerpoint you go yeah yeah that'd be great they come as a really felt sense and having seen something like that you it the shift feels pretty permanent so i think the recalibration sort of takes care of itself on the one hand but we can get in the way of it if we don't realize that our system is settling and things are um shifting sort of under the surface so I, I don't know if that's helpful you want to come back in there that's very helpful uh, you know when you first said I don't calibrate myself I was like huh and then I got it <laughs> but I did I was like huh what do you mean we don't calibrate ourselves but I, I get what you're saying it's like it's it's sort of like we don't beat our hearts we don't breathe our breath these things just do that you know it just it's life living through us if you will and and so I I really I like that distinction that you made that we don't recalibrate ourselves that it's our our system is constantly seeking equilibrium and we get in the way of that you know we can get in the way of that but one of the one of the things I like you know it's like and, and this is what I teach in my coaching which is you know, true change doesn't generally happen. And we've all had this experience through tools and techniques. How many tools and techniques have we gathered over our lifetime? We know what to do and we don't do it. And it's because we haven't had the insight or the epiphany or the understanding. And that's what we're looking for. The problem is, if if this is a problem, is that we can't make an insight happen. But what we can do, I believe, at least, is that we can create the conditions for which an insight is more likely. And I know that we've given this metaphor before on these on this, but I think it's been a while. You know, if you want an insight, let's call the insight a butterfly to land on you and you're flailing your arms around, it's not to say that the butterfly can't land on you. It's just to say that it's less likely to land on you. But if you stand still, then it's not to say the butterfly will land on you, but it's more likely that the butterfly will land on you. And so that's what I mean by creating the conditions for which insight or uh, 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 um, recalibration can happen. This is how I see it. So for me, what are some ways, could we talk about some ways that people could potentially create the conditions for which insight or recalibration can happen? And again, it's going to be different for different people at different times with different things. But I know for me, my biggest, my biggest problem in life, <clears throat> I'm so clear about it right now, is this constantly running narrative in my mind. These stories that I make up, stories of stress, stories of, you know, things falling apart, stories of this not working out, or conversely, stories of of the wonderful way this is going to work out and then being so disappointed when it doesn't. (laughs) And so for me, creating the conditions 
for recalibration or insight or epiphany or whatever um, is a is comes down to to helping to train my brain or relax my mind or take things off of my mind. You know, those are the ways that I find to be to be helpful. And and for me, those ways are um you know, catching myself and my stories and becoming aware of them. Meditation for me is very helpful. Um, you know, breathing techniques are helpful to me. When I pay attention to my breath, it's helpful to me. Being in nature, helpful to calming down my nervous system. These are ways that that for me are, uh, are creating the, the conditions for equilibrium to come back. Yeah, I I love I love all of those, and there's that awareness for you, and for, you know, for many of us, we'll be aware that we, you know, this can be this can be a bit tough to hear. I know when I was in the midst of um, a lot of distress, it, it would have been tough to hear, but I also would have recognised some truth in it because I I was aware is that <clears throat> we are the authors of our own mental distress, and I say that very gently. Because when you're suffering, that can feel like an accusation, that can feel like you should know better. It's not meant like that. It's more that we, you, you spoke right to it there, Carla, is that, you know, we, we, there are stories that have been generated, who knows where from and when and how, cultural, conditional, we talk all about that. And we sort of get, get ourselves um totally embroiled in those stories and so we live them out and they're painful and they're difficult and they're frustrating and uh, upsetting and can be despairing and I think I know when I was in the in the midst of of, of my most distressing times I, I was sort of really frustrated by the fact that at one level I sort of I, I felt like I was doing this to myself but I didn't know how not to so I just use that as a, as a further stick to beat myself with. So I don't want to encourage anyone to do that. But but there is a, you're onto something if you're kind of frustrated with your own, you know, mental turmoil, because it, there, it is true that in those, in those states, there's nothing in there that's going to be helpful. There's just more of whatever it is, frustration, anger, distress, upset or despair. The more you think about it when you're in that state, the more you get. Uh, And it doesn't feel like that. It feels like, you know, especially if you're someone who likes to analyze things and meet the world with a kind of, you know, pride yourself on your critical skills. Me, me, me. Yeah, me too. You think, well, surely I can figure this out. Surely if I just think a bit harder and a bit longer, I'll get somewhere. And the paradox, which you, all the things you pointed at, you know, sitting in nature, the breathing and everything else, is that there is another sort of dimension to us where that none of that matters, so it can be going on or not going on, and it doesn't matter. And the the when, it's a lovely question because I agree with you. I think it was Molly Gordon, our, our mentor that we both know and love, who said you can't order an insight like a pizza. And it's so true. Yes, yes, <laughs> I love that. I do too. 
But I think on the other hand, it's really helpful to see that we as human beings are built for insight. We've been having insights since we learned to walk. You know, how else did we learn to walk? How else did we learn to crawl? How else did we learn to talk? It, it's all insight driven. Every fresh thing you've done, every fresh idea you've had, whether it's a little thing or a, or a, or a consciousness shifting thing, it comes from uh, fresh ideas. Where do they come from? I don't have a little bag where I make, you know, fresh ideas, which I carry around with me. They just pop in my head. So that's the really good news that we're built for insight. And what it seems to me is, for me personally, what help has helped me over the last few years very much has been being in conversation with people who are speaking and listening from a, a sort of quieter, deeper, more peaceful place. And in the early times, I, you know, my head wanted to get hold of all the ideas around this. So I went on a big feeding frenzy. <laughs> and it was helpful up to a point. But like you said, it's not until you see things for yourself, have your own insights, that things begin to shift, this sort of recalibration we're talking about. So these days I I I still read but I'm I read what I'm drawn to read um I love being in these conversations as I'm lucky enough to work in in this area having these conversations nature for me too but one of the most helpful things that I kept hearing and, and it used to irritate me a bit <laughs> was was look at what is instead of what isn't. Because for me, the symptom of a busy, stress sort of thinking is I will see what's wrong with everything, with myself, with my work, with my relationships, with my family, <laughs> with where I live, with my dinner, everything. <laughs> and it's, again, it's another little red flag. It's like, oh, I've gone off down that train of thought. And maybe we don't have to. Maybe we don't have to. You know, it's, I know this is going to seem like a strange um, uh, comparison, but yesterday I was, but, but you said a couple of things. It's just like, yeah, we just get so caught up in this imaginary world that we're creating in our minds and, and we're feeling that world. Why? Because that's the way our brain is designed to work. So our brain is working perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with our brains that we do this. This is what we do. But when we're unconscious of it, it can take on a life of its own that can be extraordinarily painful. But yesterday I woke up in one of those painful, painful places. <laughs> and I was feeling quite sorry for myself because I've got some, um, some physical things that are really flaring and bothering me right now, just irritating me to death. And so I was feeling pretty low and, and down on myself yesterday for hours and then um, I went to uh, take something to a friend and Pedro, my dog, went with me. And when I took and I had been really, really turned inward all morning. And when we got out of the car and I put him down and he was walking around the yard, I noticed that his tail was just between his legs. And he wasn't feeling good and I didn't know it. And all of a sudden, Juliet, my whole focus shifted 
because that child, that dog, that child, that dog is like a child to me. I mean, I love him so much and he's such a companion for me. And honest to God, that right there just bumped me out of it, out of, out of that sort of self-pity was all of a sudden I was focused outside of, of my internal drama Hmm. and, and it shifted for me. I didn't feel any better. My physical stuff, it was still raging, but, but the self-pity, you know, that suffering with it was gone Hmm. because my, my focus just completely shifted. And I wonder if that's part of what you meant by these conversations, being in conversations like this, it sort of bumps you out of that, that internally focused dramatic place that we can so easily go to, especially certain, uh, uh, certain personalities can really go there like mine. And (laughs) (laughs) so uh, I was just really, and I, and I saw it happen. Like I was very aware of it happening. I'm like, Oh, well, this is interesting. All the self pity is gone now that I'm focused on someone else or something else. Yeah. And I love that you emphasize you still had, you know, you still physically were had symptoms and, and that it's not that you suddenly that disappeared. But you're and when you talk about your focus shifting, you've mentioned this on the other episodes, is that we, you know, life happens, we know, and stuff happens. And you know, Sydney Banks says life is a contact sport. We're not talking about being some you know on some other planet where everything's blissful and nothing bad ever happens but we're talking about that extra dimension of suffering that we can begin to see comes from all the stories and thinking we make we have and the meaning we're making of every little thing that that happens so I love the the you sharing that that when the when our focus shifts and I'm really interested in sort of playing with this idea of how much choice do, do I have about where I put my attention? And I think, uh, in fact, I was running sessions um, a few weeks ago and it was a mindfulness meditation, little mini module thing. And I was reading a, um, a relaxation exercise for participants. And it was one of those ones where you go through the parts of the body. So you go down to your feet and you feel the sensations in your toes. And I sort of, afterwards, I thought, this is fascinating, isn't it? Because in a guided meditation, I know for me, the first time I listen to a new, if I listen to one, a new guided meditation, I can easily usually follow all the instructions. If I've listened to it 50 times, I very well may zone out because I think I know what's coming. (laughs) But that that I'm really interested to play with that because I think I would have said that... um, there were times I could deliberately put my attention here or there. And then there were other times I can't help it. You know, my mind is going crazy and I can't help it. So this is up for grabs for me now. I don't have an answer, but yeah. I'm very curious about it. I, I'm really curious about it too, because I, I find that to be the case personally as well, that there are times I can absolutely interrupt it and, and, and shift my focus and there are other times where two two other things happen. One, where I just can't seem to do it. And two, where I don't want to do it. I just want to feel bad. <laughs> I deserve to feel angry and resentful and unforgiving and mean. And I'm going to, by God. So the, those are kind of the three things. 
you know, I'm thinking about my guys again who are, are in this entrepreneurial world. And, you know, I, I'm working with a company now. I work with, you know, half a dozen or more of the guys on, on this team. And one of the things that, that they came to me for initially was, oh, my God, we had a, a down month. Everything's uh, going away. We're failing everything. You know, it was just a blip on the screen, as it is in any business. And But they all they could focus on was the fact that that something was wrong. And we've mm-hmm. talked so many times in this podcast, you cannot focus on the solution and the problem at the same time. And so what what I helped them do was shift their focus to a you know to solution oriented, you know, to looking for the good, for looking for ways to tweak, for looking for um, things that were solvable and not focusing so much on the down month, just like what tweaks do we need to make? It changed everything for them really fast. And now they have incredible months and they have down months still, you know, this has been almost a year. I've been working with these guys and now they were, I just talked to three of them, you know, like back to back a week or so ago. And they were like, we just had our worst month ever. And we all started to get really concerned. And then we remembered what we're learning and we were able to really pivot and recalibrate and start looking for, oh, look, things are growing so much. We don't have the foundation we need. We need to put some more things in place to support this this building business. And and they turned it around and they were excited. Now they brought this excited energy to it. Like this is an opportunity. We're a little bit slower. Now we can go in and and make these changes we've been needing to do, but didn't have the time to do. And, And that's like a paradigm shift, man. That's a that's a, a a big pivot for them, and they're thrilled to be able to catch themselves doing this now, rather than because they felt themselves start to go down into the oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, god rabbit hole, mm-hmm. and they were conscious this time, and they shifted and they recalibrated, and it's a beautiful thing to see. It's beautiful to hear. I I just love that because, and what's What's coming from that? Because whether or not you know you're in a big business or you're running a business or you're dealing with you know just your family personal situation, what really comes shines through in that story is that if you're starting from a place that you know when you said they realised that in the in the quite slightly quieter time they would have space and opportunity to put some things in place they hadn't been able to do. And this isn't just a sort of um, tweaking about like glass half empty, glass half full thing. This is at a much deeper, more profound level. You know, when we're when we sort of find that more uh, settled and secure place inside, even if we're not feeling it all the time, but we touch on it enough, and we we get a you know that that sense gets stronger, then you can look out at the world instead of worrying that old primitive brain thing you often talk about Carly instead of constantly being on the lookout for whether your survival's at stake (laughs) which leads to so much of the stress and drama when you're coming from that place of uh you know everything is there's treasure in everything there's a gift in everything it, it is like putting on different goggles, which your team that you're working with, you've showed them that, and they're now seeing that in real time, how that changes everything. And 
it, it, this isn't just for those who are privileged and comfortably financially off or white skinned. I'm talking about something much deeper and more fundamental is that when we find some equilibrium inside, we get ideas to help us deal with whatever we're up against. And that can be real world, frightening, difficult stuff, or it can be not that, you know, it can be everyday stuff, but for one person, it feels frightening and traumatic for another person. It feels fine. And what we're saying is the, that, space of you know where where it's going to sound I mean I'm going to say this and take it as you may listeners but when you start to realize that how you feel doesn't matter as much as we thought it did because it's not telling you anything about your deeper self it's telling you about this moment whether you're feeling comfortable uncomfortable happy not happy tense relaxed it's all in flux it all changes and in the in the the, the deeper sense that's available it, it's a, it's a massive game changer because it's like we can then be in the world instead of being there like with the patches battened down trying to defend ourselves against the world and I do honestly see that everybody has this inside of them Mm -hmm. and that's the great the great news we may touch it rarely often never I don't think anybody has never touched it they just might not have recognized it right right well Juliet uh, we are at our time it's gone so fast but you know like uh like so many computer problems, sometimes all that has to happen is to restart your computer. That recalibration takes care, that restart takes care of so many things. So to our listeners, if you are finding yourself overwhelmed or ultra stressed or caught up in a very painful story or narrative, it may be a, a wake-up call to, to take a moment to, to recalibrate in a way that, uh, that, that you find helpful. Yeah, thank you, Carla. It's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you, Juliet, and thank you, listeners. Until next time. You've been listening to the Riffing on Realness podcast with Carla Royal and Juliet Fay. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and share with a friend. We would truly appreciate it if you'd rate and review this podcast, which will help others find us. You can visit me, Carla, at CarlaRoyal.com. I am a mindset and performance coach working with high-achieving, high-performance entrepreneurs and business owners who are quietly dealing with too much mental chatter and anxiety. Juliet loves freedom of mind, which she explores and shares through poetry and conversations. Find her at soulcare.org. That's soulcare, S-O-L-C-A-R-E.org. We'll see you next time on Riffing on Realness. (music) 